Hey, Renee, Chris, and Ryan going live. Best podcast, Beauty and the Beast. Sit back and catch a vibe. Oh yeah, we talking zombies and apocalypses and all those things you like. Going beast mode, and if you didn't know, it's Peter Z up on the mic. Hey, TWD family, grab the snacks about the pantry and subscribe and like them if you can, please. Or those walkers eat you like some candy. Hey, <laughs> okay. You at the right place at the right time. No one does it better. That's the bottom line. Beauty and the Beast. This is prime time. Let's go. Uno momento, por favor. Don't do that. They can hear us. Okay, stop, because it's loud to them. They can hear us now. Hi. <clears throat> Hi. We're going to go back to my text message. What's so important that you can't be part of the show right now? I Please feel free to explain what's going on. <clears throat> so, I don't like disappointing people. <clears throat> Are you playing with chords again? Nope. That sounds highly inappropriate. Nope. Um, so yeah, so... <laughs> I know things might look a little different right now. Uh, but they, they will um, look different again in about 20 minutes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. So <clears throat> Xander will be here. Yes. He, he, will. he will be here. We're just going to have to sit here and buy a little time uh, because he got caught up in a little something. He's actually driving home right now, and he will he will be home soon. He will be signing on soon, and we will get the Xander uh, interview rolling. Yes. <clears throat> he did apologize to everybody. Hi, <laughs> no, we did not trick no, you. No, we didn't trick you. Um, he did apologize to everybody. He said that he will give you ample amount of time tonight. When he does finally get on. So um, the other thing <clears throat> that we're not going to have uh, is going to be Renee. Um, Renee's got a bunch of stuff going on. Yep. Um, she is, she's okay. She's okay. She's okay. Yeah, she's okay. All okay. Yep. Everybody's fine. Everybody's healthy. It's just that for some of you who may not know, they're packing up um, and leaving Iowa because they bought a house down in Georgia. 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 The old Georgia peach land. You know, I meant to say this or I meant to ask Renee this, right? So you know how her like her like handle her social handles are like Iowa Mama of Three? Yeah, now she can so have to change. Georgia it. Mama of Three? Georgia. Georgia Mama of Three? Or just Peaches? Peaches three? Peaches? Yeah, Georgia Peach. Oh, yeah, peaches okay. Peaches Three. <clears throat> so yeah, um I figured yes, it's a very big move. Um you know, and they got a very nice place down in Georgia. It's um, 
Yeah, we know about your requests. Look, look, look. Requests are going to be like secondhand because we have a ton of questions. Um, and as, as we all know, Xander is a very, very good storyteller. Um, and He's we all, a thespian. He's a true thespian. Yes, we all kind of get like just tied up. Let's put this thing on still. We get very tied up and in, in like completely um, just enamored by his stories. So I'm sure we will. Um... <laughs> I just took it off. You so. took it off. The tie is no longer. No, I had to come right from work. We're going to be here for five hours. Well, I mean, Pi, if you want to be here for five hours, it's up to you. Um, so, yeah. So we figured what we would do is kick off the show. We can talk about episode 12. Um, and everything that took place. So uh, I just want to give it another minute. I did see some other people pop in the chat. Looks like some new people who are probably here just for Xander. I see uh, Brian's here. Brian uh, Brian Castrillo. He's here. Um... <laughs> yeah. No, I've been wearing that tie since six o'clock this morning. Yeah, worn for thirteen hours. Yeah, he. I'm over it. He didn't get to go home today. He came straight no. here. Because so. that's how committed I am to you guys. <clears throat> yes, very. Um, so, episode 12. Uh, if you guys got anything you want to throw out in the chat about the episode, let us know. Um, Lucy invited me. Happy to be here. Okay, very nice. Thank you. Thank you for coming. Appreciate back. it. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks for coming on board. Um, Pi is here on Pi it, Day. It, it yeah, is it is Pi Day. day. It, it is, is pie National Pi day. day. Yes, it is. Hmm. 314. I think when we're done, I'm going to go to the diner. Get some nice. I'm gonna get some blueberry pie. Are you gonna get some nice moist, moist pie? pie? Yeah, I could go for a big old slice of moist pie. Hmm. Yeah, it'll get you really in the spine, you know. <laughs> it'll touch me deeply. <laughs> yes, I do <clears throat> love you guys very much. So, um, <laughs> well, you know, I would have kept it on if he was here at the beginning. I would have, I would have kept it on. Yeah, maybe I'll throw it back on. Boys is always getting ready, you know. But not, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and yeah, I'm always down to eat pie. I love eating pie. <laughs> can we get? Can we get all uh, the episode, please? Yeah. Um. Yeah. No, blueberry. Cher- cherry, blueberry's my fave. Cherry pie is better. Oh no no no! Cherry pie. She's my cherry pie. Yeah. Well, you like it because of a 1990s no. song or 80s song? 80s. 1980s <laughs> song. Like, what? I don't know. Who was, was that? Was Who was cherry? Who sang cherry pie? Who is that? Oh, uh, was that War? No, cherry pie. She's yeah. my cherry. I feel like that was like White Snake or some shit like that. Um, I can't play it. God forbid, <clears throat> before I can get banned. Right. So what uh, is warrant. happening tonight? Warrant. Warren. Warren. Warrant. Warrant for yes. my arrest. Yes. Um, the Rock has entered the chat. <laughs> um. <clears throat> So yeah, last week, or this past week, yesterday, I guess, whatever, uh, today's Monday. Um, Linda, there's a lot of shit going off the rails tonight. Yeah, I hate cherries. <laughs> Linda's just like, fuck it. Uh, <laughs> Linda's a savage tonight, I love it. Fuck your cherry pie. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, so, there the, was, yeah, warrant, never mind. Oh, hey, Dave. What's up, Dave? <laughs> so, yeah, real quick, I'm going to do a real qu- quick recap. Xander is coming. He's on his way. Uh, he's just running a little behind. He had some things he had to take care of real quick. We're stalling. We're stalling. We're going to talk about 12, maybe, and the way things are going, who knows. Um, 
and 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 we'll take it from there. <clears throat> so in this episode, we have Pamela who's being introduced to the other communities, and uh, Lance is trying to convince her that this is a great idea. Um, <clears throat> you know, she doesn't seem too impressed. She finds out that Deanna, who's De- who's Deanna. Um, who's Deanna? Who's Deanna? Um, <clears throat> finds out that Deanna dies because she was bitten. So the safety and security becomes a big question mark to her uh, with this whole thing. Even though, you know, Daryl does his best to, to try and, you know, say like, yeah, we've had our issues, you know, this and that, but we always yeah. win it back kind of thing. Um, so it's it's probably, it's very concerning for her. Um, no, Lance is not a snake. He's a worm. He's a worm. Max called him. He's a worm. He's a worm. <clears throat> he's a worm. He's not fit to be called a snake. Correct. He's just a little dirt worm and worm. Um, <clears throat> Aaron definitely seems concerned about everything that's going on. Oh my god, yeah. Uh, he, you know, he desperately wants this to to go through. Mm-hmm. For I guess the only reason I can really think of is why he's like grasping for it so hard. Is just, he just wants to secure. Like I, most of them, they want to secure a future for their, you know, families to grow. Yep. Um, and he's definitely more on board than Maggie is. Absolutely. Um, he's definitely drunk. He, he definitely drank the Kool Aid. Yeah. And well, I mean, but if you look at it, a lot of them had, a lot of them did. Yep. You know, we had a small group. It <clears throat> seems like they left because of Maggie's decision yep. to not take the support. Spearheaded by um, uh, Carrie Cahill or Diane. Yeah. Do you think Aaron is hiding something? He was acting so weird at the beginning of the episode. <clears throat> I don't know if he was just acting weird or it was more like a a concerned father. You know, like, I mean, yeah, I guess you could say he was acting weird, but I think a lot of it is just bearing stress of the situation. Yeah, I think that he <clears throat> understands what's at stake. Yeah. And and the fact that the, the way they were going, they probably wouldn't have survived another winter. Yeah. With, the, and, with their food stores being as low as they right. were. Trying to rebuild the community. Trying to establish there, he you know he mentions how about how they were self sustaining when they first you know they had solar power, they had water, they had you know they had the crops, they had everything. Um, so he wants that back desperately because you know it's just why wouldn't you want your community to thrive? Yep. And I think he's just bearing a lot of that stress, knowing that you know it couldn't, it, could, it might not happen because of. You know, Maggie, obviously. And he was trying to make things look as good. He wanted things to appear as good as possible for her when she showed up. Yeah. And you could really see the... You could literally see the stress on his face yeah. about the situation. <clears throat> um, there are, but, you know, I think they're going to end up pulling all that support now that Maggie said no. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, they're, they're really not going to have anybody. And now that Maggie's losing more of her own firepower, you know... Um, she loses an archer in in uh, Carrie Cahill. Yep. You know, and one of her best warriors. Yeah, one of her best fighters. But she admits that, like, I'm tired. I'm just don't want to do this anymore. And it's it's almost like what um, Lydia said to Daryl, and she was kind of like, you know, how do you know? And he goes, or how do you know when? And he goes, how do you know when what? Yeah. And she goes, when you've had enough. Right. And he kind of looks at her like, have have you had enough? Mm-hmm. Like like kind of like, do you want to come to the Commonwealth? Yeah. You know, and so you can you can definitely see that there's a, there's a huge fracture going in the group right now. Right, right. You know, one thing I want to say, I want to get this out of the way because if, if Xander shows up, I I, I want to. Last week I didn't have a, what really grinds my guts. Mm. 
But this week I have a really big one. Okay. And so it has a lot to do <laughs> with firearm safety and firearms training. <laughs> and maybe you picked up on this. Go ahead. So I've grew, I've grown up all my life around guns. So I'm very comfortable around them, and I understand safety and fire, firearm safety and training. When they were in the woods. Oh, God. And, and they were surrounded by walkers. And he yells, fire. And he, <laughs> not to mention that, okay, so, like, you know, here is the walkers, right? Mm-hmm. Then here's here's the, tr- the troopers. And they're in the and, middle. And then here, and then <clears> here, here are the, the, the group. Yeah. And fucking Mercer, fire! And they all, full, fully automatic weapons, firing a load upon these zombies. Yeah, the with walkers. them in the crosshairs. With them, direct <clears throat> yeah. line of sight. I, I mean, I was like, what? Yeah. And no one got hurt. Bullshit. That's really what grinds my guts. Yeah, uh, they, they could have coordinated that very differently. I saw that too. And in a situation like that, there yeah. would be like a like get out. Uh, yeah, there'd be a word. Yeah, or yeah. This, you know, or or command. Like you know, exactly. Like, get down or everybody down. Yep. Something, and um, <laughs> you know, it was just. I think in Bryant's, I actually thought that a lot of the walkers appearing too. I, I felt like a lot of like that was, was set up. up. Yeah. I did. I actually felt that too. Yeah. The timing of it. Came out of nowhere. <clears throat> the timing of it. Yeah. yeah. A lot of it was just the timing of it all. But that's another thing is that they, they like they're in a in a semi open field. Like mm-hmm. there's like there's like trees and shit like that. <clears throat> but no one saw the walkers coming or heard them. Look, we run into that <clears throat> all the time. <clears throat> we run into that argument all the time yeah. with this show. About what, because that does grind my guts. The fact yeah. that you've now been among these things yes. for 10 plus years or 12 years or whatever. However long. However been, long. Yeah. <clears throat> you telling me you haven't picked up on the cue of them and the noises they make, yeah. how close they are, the sounds they make. I mean, Christ, when they when they come on camera, it sounds like a steam locomotive's coming at you with all yeah. the, you know, the growling and, and everything and gurgling. Snarling and shit. Yeah. yeah. But yet you can't hear that in the woods. Yes, and they're shuffling. They're, they're like not that, picking their feet up. They're shuffling. It's like that that saying: if a tree falls in the woods, <laughs> is it, and, and nobody's around, and to, and hear nobody's it, around to hear it, does it make a noise? Right? Does it make a noise? Well, guess what? These fucking things make noise everywhere they go. They shamble. Yeah. Their feet are rustling through the leaves. And, and, and what? They don't hear them until they hit the fucking strings. <laughs> the fucking the fucking yeah. string cans. And the, the, come on. There, there's there's definitely things that we have always had an issue with. Did. Obviously, they don't, they don't see to to have to change, you know, like or or they and they haven't changed. Um, I was, believe it was done on purpose to give the opportunity to show the hilltop, make it protect them. Yeah, yeah. I, look, anything's on anything's on the table right now. Um, I just think that going back to Aaron, I think that obviously him more than Maggie uh, at this point. And even Oceanside, who won't do anything until Maggie says yes. Um, so Maggie worked out whatever deal she did with them in order to have that landlock, like mm. you know that trade agreement. That trade agreement, yeah. Like, it, yeah. like we're not gonna like none of us budges unless you know blah blah blah. You know, I say go. Yep. Um, which I guess it really shows like the kind of power that Maggie does have, power of influence that Maggie does have when you have that power over another community. Yep. You know, people do trust her, and you know, even you know, even like uh, uh, Diana, right? Di- um, oh, Carrie, Carrie Cahill, yeah. yeah. Diane. She even said, you know, I respect the hell out of you. 
but you need to know when to say yes to help. Yep. Like, it's kind of... And I don't know if the decision she made was good or bad yep. as far as saying no to them. I don't think there is a good or bad. <clears throat> I, th- I don't think there is a right or wrong in this situation. I think, yeah. I, I think that you kind of have to weigh the pros and cons. Mm-hmm. And, and make whatever decision you think is best. Right. But I also think that Maggie is, well, I do think she should be cautious. I think to flat out deny their help is her just being ignorant. Yeah. Um, I understand. I don't I don't think the Commonwealth can be trusted. But mm. Maggie also has to understand the position that she's in. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, she's toppled other fucking communities. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so, <laughs> she so, really has. You know, so <clears throat> start, start, and she clearly... There's some form of respect and admiration between her and um, Lance. No, Pam. Pam. Yeah. And so, you know, they're, 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 they're sitting there talking, and Maggie's like, "You want me to get that one, or should I?" And she goes, "No, I was going to get the one that was actually behind you." Mm-hmm. And then, the, and then Maggie kills one that's behind <clears throat> her, and then she kills um, the one behind Maggie. Yeah. And then they kind of sit there, and they kind of like share this, like, just like this look of like admiration or respect. Maggie could use that to her advantage. Yeah, she and, could. And the fact that she didn't. Right. <clears throat> you know, but this could also be the long game. You know, maybe she says no now, and then eventually she, it's kind of like um, playing hard to get. Mm-hmm. And then she, what, what the fuck's her name? The leader? I can't Pam, remember. Pamela. Pam, Pamela. I don't know why, I don't know why I have such a hard time remembering that. Pamela. <laughs> Pam. Palm? Did you say palm? Pamela. P- Pam. Pam. Palm. Pam. Pan? Pam. Pan. Pam. Pam. Are you saying palm? I hate you. <laughs> Pam. Pam? But, oh my God. Sorry, go ahead. But anyways, <laughs> you know, she, Maggie can be playing the, 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 hard, the hard to get. Pamela. Go ahead. Sorry. My bad. Are you done? Yep. Okay. Part two where it like, grinds my guts. You right now. <laughs> it's their brother moment. Tiffany got it. <laughs> I was waiting for you to catch on, but you I, never no, did. I didn't. Yeah. <clears throat> thank, thank you, Tiff. You irked me. I know. Pan, pan? <laughs> please continue. I, I, dude, you have me so fucked up right now. <laughs> yeah, seeing Daryl take orders from Mercer was very strange, and yeah. Maggie saw it, you know. And I think it's playing games with her. The fact seeing Daryl kind of follow suit. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I. But if down the road Maggie says to her, you know what, like. Pam does something to convince her that, okay, yeah, you should join the Commonwealth. And Maggie actually accepts. Pam might have a little <clears throat> bit more respect for her because she kind of, like, stuck to her guns originally. And, and she wanted to figure her own shit out first. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe, maybe she's playing the long game. Could be. I mean, look, she sits down and has a conversation with Lance. Yep. And Lance kind of gives her this, this giant euphoric kind of vision like you know, what about you know being able to go to college like have you ever pictured you know glenn being a, go, go glenn to, jr go to alexander for a doctor's appointment yeah go go here for a doctor's appointment and travel up up river yeah go to the commonwealth you know, for a concert to, like, yeah like you know and like so he obviously and let's not forget like they got to be related Oh, yeah, especially because... Lance and Pam have to have some kind of relation somewhere. Yeah. Cousin. Yeah. Adoption. Bastard brother. Bastard brother. Like, yeah. something. Especially with her father being a congressman or whatever, and her uncle was, like, yeah. the president or some shit. You know, and, and there was also... A, didn't... Wasn't there a talk 
about something about her family and a scandal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was something. So like, I mean, maybe he's a, maybe he's a he's a, a, a brother, a half brother. He was the scandalous bastard child. Bastard child, like Game of Thrones. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like Tyrion Lannister. Yeah, exactly. Um, Spoiler alert. <laughs> so yeah, there's something definitely because they have a conversation. You know, she said, "Well, you tried," and I thought it was very ambitious of you trying to get three communities at once. And yeah. <laughs> I did it for the good of the Commonwealth. Yeah. Said, I'll pretend that you didn't do it for yourself, like. Yeah. Yeah, Connie. Yes, Connie got her uncle kicked out of the con. Yeah, con- okay, so maybe it's a cousin or something. Yeah. It's something you know, something happened there. You know. Yeah. I, oh yeah, absolutely, Linda, hundred percent. Is a competition? It's like a competition. It's like a game for him. I feel like it's a game, like a competition for him. But she also said something to him in this episode. She said something along the lines of, "You, you've always been like this." Yeah. Or you, That's what you, you, like, you, you were you were like this even when we were kids or yeah, something. Like, I forgot what she said. Been like this for twenty something years or yeah. some shit. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. So you know, there, there was so many really good conversations that did take place in this in this episode. Um, you know, that make you you know try to figure out what exactly. It, I think Dave might be right. I think it might be the her uh, Pamela's father got kicked out of Congress. Mm, okay. Because Connie did some kind of story or something. Yeah. So maybe it is like a bastard child or something, you know, and, and I don't know. Her father was in the White House. Yeah, I can't remember that whole storyline because they it was choppy. And, <laughs> well, they kind of touched upon it and then it just, yeah, gone. Right. Uh, maybe they'll elaborate on it. That's why maybe that's uh, maybe that reverts back to the whole Lance and Pamela thing, maybe, you know. We'll find yeah, out down the road. Um, going back, I want to go back to... The Daryl Mercer thing and and Maggie's kind of, you know, keeping an eye on that situation. You know, I don't, I don't know what Daryl's end game here with this whole situation is. Yeah. You know, like he gets granted permission because of his position. Like, it's kind of like a visual thing. Mm -hmm. Like when we go to the communities, you can wear like your normal shit. You don't have to be in like soldier garb. And, you know, he's there, he's helping, whatever. Mercer says, fall in. And then he says, Dixon, he goes, and then he, you know, and he's like, yeah, one minute. And he's helping throw one more body. Yeah. And Mercer walks in and just says, hey, just remember, they're always watching. Yeah. So, like, Mercer obviously doesn't really, in my opinion, Mercer doesn't really care so much as to what Daryl's doing or what he does. No. I think he trusts him. I think he does. And, I, like, I really think that there's going to be the long game in this. And I, I just think that there's going to be something between those two yeah. in the end. You know what I mean? That's going to that's gonna come together. You know, it's like he's definitely warning about the Commonwealth. Yeah. Mercer has learned, I think. We've seen him learn more about the Commonwealth. And he's, le- he's letting on more about the Commonwealth in general. Um, as far as, like, you know, what he believes, like what he trusts. So we're getting to see that he doesn't have that that type of um, commitment that we thought he had to them. I think um, Daryl's so cringe right now, playing a little soldier boy. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, but Pi, I, I don't, I, I think that Daryl's using his strength. I think that <sighs> he's he's a, he's a soldier. That's what he does best. Mm-hmm. You know, he has been one of the strongest backbones of the community so far. And yeah. whenever they've had any kind of issue where it's it's 
like resorted to violence or, or um, you know combat, he's been involved with it. And so the Commonwealth is all about playing to your strengths. So mm-hmm. why wouldn't he be? You know, one of the one of the soldiers, yeah. one of the cops, or you know, whatever you want to call. And there them. was that conversation too, like you know, while they were talking, I believe it was while Daryl's talking to Pam and Mercer's there. I think it's right, like right when they first show up, yeah. like Brian says, like um, he did kind of when he found out that Daryl was a leader yeah. of these communities. Yeah, it did kind of. I think it like clicked up another notch for him, like. This guy's capable, yeah. More than just being uh, just a basic foot soldier. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, I think Lucy's right too. I think that Daryl's got Judith. Hmm? Oh. He's got Judith and RJ to worry about too. Hello. Nope. Um, we're gonna pull you up. Hold on one second, and we're gonna see. Uh, please stand by. Stand by, everybody. We'll be back. Take a quick.
there we go. There we're up. What the fuck is that bouncing? Oh, no idea. You're up. Okay. Running. I think so. Why is it screen sharing? I don't, dude, I don't know. <laughs> well, I think we figured it out. Okay, can everybody hear us now? Let's do a quick mic check. I don't know if they'll be able to hear Xander, but I'm hoping they can. Um, testing one, two, three. We can hear you. Hi, our mic is on. Yeah, our mic's on. Everybody's mic is on. Anything else you need me to do? Hello, Xander, and I can hear you guys speak to us, Xander. Xander is eating pie. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, uh, I'm not eating pie. I'm eating fish. Well, it's it's National Pie Day, so it is. It's three fourteen. It's 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 National Pie Day. It's three fourteen. Plus, we have pie watching, so it's a big pie day. Yeah, and, and she doesn't need to know that it's also apparently International Nap Day and International St. Louis Day because three fourteen is their area code. Oh, okay. They just want to horn in on Pie Day. Hi, I'm trying. Please, for the love of God, I'm trying. What happened? I said that she she can barely hear Xander, so I'm trying. Okay. Are we still working on this? No, I think we're good. Can you tell Xander to speak? Up? He is. He's good. We just turned. We just fixed the um. We just fixed all the all the audio, video in in the audio. So you got a little can... bit of adjustment, but we got yeah. here. Yeah. I only do Zoom for whatever reason. Skype doesn't cooperate with my system, and you guys only do Skype, and Zoom doesn't cooperate with yours. So it's a miracle that we still had a third alternative to rely on. Good old FaceTime. Ah, uh, you know. Yes. One in doubt, right? Um, no kidding. <laughs> it saved us. Well, Xander, thank you for joining us. We really appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Apologize for being a late and terribly harried because it's been one of those crazy days, but I knew people were um, planning to join us here and I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to miss it. I even, I was speeding in this one straightaway that is not a good idea to speed, it's out in the country. Yeah. Nothing around, no houses or anything, but they keep a close eye and indeed they caught me, but they let me talk my way out of it for the first time ever. So I thought that was a good sign. That's awesome. So, um, guys? so <laughs> it's well, it's been a very interesting evening so yeah, far. It's, it's, it's a typical Monday. It's a know? it's a Monday. Um, how have you been? Tell us tell us all how you've been doing up in Maine. Um, well, how's the weather? The weather is good. We did have a very cold spell, mm -hmm. and uh, I feel like I'm going to have a promise. <laughs> no, you're totally fine. <laughs> I mean, all that. Um, <laughs> And we got this place um, and it's very old and we winterized it, emptied all the pipes and kept the heat on so that the building itself wouldn't freeze. Like you don't want the plaster to crack, get yep. too cold. Yep. And um, the guy that's gonna help manage the place, uh, he and his girlfriend were in Panama vacationing. They were the boots on the ground and they weren't on the ground, they were in the beach and mm. they didn't have boots on. Right. Um, barefoot on the beach when this all happened and 
and I've been trying to tr track down the insurance company. Well, yeah, that's what you pay insurance for, right? There was <laughs> one pipe that secretly was connected that didn't drain. Mm. And that's the one that was near the door that was really old and, and it froze. Uh, the previous owner said, you don't have to worry. There's no, there's no pipes on the outside. Nothing's going to free. We went to the extra winterize and it's still got 15 below out there and, and it, it popped and um, 25,000 gallons mm. of water, which I like, I know, you know, That's... I skip showers to save water, even right, in a wet yeah. climate. So I felt like my whole lifetime was saving water was just like literally down the drain. Right. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you know there was some damage and uh right after getting this um so uh i i finally got the insurer the insurance adjuster out there today and, and agreed to to do the job that that uh, needs to be done and so it's a good day ultimately but i was racing it it was the last uh opportunity of the day and the last opportunity of the week for me to meet with him so it had to happen and then i, I raced back and now I'm here, and I've just digested food for the first time in this in this second, and I'm ready to answer any any question. Well, well, we, we got you. man, we got a shit ton of questions. So, um, I'm I'm gonna kick it. I'm gonna move around between everybody just so we can, you know, pie sent. I don't I, like thirty freaking questions. Um, oh my god, pie. <laughs> Linda, don't worry. Linda sent like another thirty. Uh, I was going to make some weird, like, four and 20 questions because she's <laughs> like, like, but baked in a pie. But I'm, no, it's like I'm baked, but I'm not. <laughs> right. Uh, so, you know what? Let, let's kick it off with some pie questions. Uh, yeah. yeah. All right. So, um, I, Dr. Land, so she wants to know Dr. Landrew and Superforce. Landrew, is that his name? Dr. Oh, Landrew yeah. and Superforce? <laughs> Uh, she wants to know, how did you come across that role and did you enjoy it? I, I, I remember uh, so clearly I had, I had a big agent at the time and um, it, my TV agent um, had me in her office and she said, look, we've got this offer for you. It's two episodes. They're paying. They, they, they really want you. I started playing cult leaders as, as far back as as Superforce. Um, for some reason, they saw my inherent potential. It's, I was doing three overlapping uh, cult leaders in three different apocalyptic uh, dystopian futures at the same time at one point, including The Walking Dead. Um, so it was this was a, a harbinger of things to come for me to, to play a cult leader on this show. It was so bad. And, <laughs> and I was so scared. And I and I I made my, I just took a quick look at a clip that they had for me to look at somehow on a videotape back in those days. And I said, this is terrible. Oh my God. But they're offering a lot of money and it's two episodes. And I only have to work for a couple of days and it's in Florida. And that would be kind of fun to be in Florida. Yeah, okay, let's do it. And nobody's ever going to see it, right? And they said, no, nobody watches this show and it's going to be, we're going to absolutely, nobody will know about you having done this. And the first day I arrive on set, um, what's her name? She, well, the, a girl comes up to me. I should maybe leave her name out of it. And she says, uh, I'm, "I'm the hi. I'm I'm uh, Ginger Lynn. I'm going to be working opposite you. And and I'm I'm the biggest adult uh, film star. And 
and I, I didn't even know that term. I didn't know what, what that meant. I just like, why have I never heard of you? I, you you're the biggest adult film star. Uh, <laughs> you're barely an adult, and uh, I've never heard of you. And, um, and, and, but I said, okay, in my mind, I'll take your word for it. And um, she was in my cult. And uh, okay. at one point in the episode, she's, she had to, to I'm, I have my sword out and she had to, and she was kneeling hmm. at, at, at my sword. And at that sure. point, photographers came into the room and, and started like TV guy suddenly showed up and were taking all these pictures <laughs> of, of, this, of, of Ginger Lynn and my sword right. um, on her knees. Mm. And it, it was like, Went back to the hotel and I said, "You told me the TV guy." And um, yeah, that was that was a funny episode. No, I didn't. I didn't have a great time on that. I had just I just worked with Charlie Sheen and, and Clint Eastwood right before that in uh, on the on the rookie. Mm. And she she announced to me at the same time as she announced she was a big film star girl, um, that ah. she was going out with Charlie and that Charlie said say hi. Ah. And then she and she goes, hey, come into my trailer. I want to show you what I got for Charlie. And I, I go into her trailer. <laughs> still not I'm still like I'm not a porn guy. <laughs> I didn't know uh, what I was getting into. Um, and, uh, she, she, op she opens this big, like, it was like a huge Kama Sutra, uh, gift package. And she takes it, starts taking out all these toys, um, that she's going to give to Charlie for, and she wants to share this with me in the trailer. The doors are like, where's TV guy? Are they going to bust in? And like, this is the tick mark. Isn't that awesome? And this is the... Oh my God! I gotta get out of here. That's <laughs> yeah, my super four story. Very, very interesting one indeed. You know, um, I, I gotta say that makes me feel just marginally better about the pound Mary comment. Well, yeah. yeah. Do you yeah, remember? Do you remember? Do you remember Pound Mary? Pound Mary. What a great film! <laughs> I will never forget the awkward silence, and then Xander just look at the camera and go. It's proud Mary, dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but now I'm gonna be like the, the big porn denier. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was in Pound Mary, and yeah, I worked. Mary. I was in Pound Mary, sure. <laughs> I blame Michelle Garman for that. Yeah, wholeheartedly. Mm -hmm. Um, so, <laughs> I so guys, I know that there's some, definitely some Walking Dead related questions in here. So before I even go into asking anything about them, ha have you? even kept up with the show or anything going on with it? Uh, friends, like, you know, Seth uh, is, is my main guy that I, uh, I stay in touch with. Mm. On it. Um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't like the way they killed off Gregory. It, it didn't, it didn't, didn't sit well with me. I, I it didn't feel like they resolved it. And, and, uh, and I, I really like Angela Kang and, and I, I, I really enjoyed Scott Gimple, and, and Scott had given me, the, or his assistant had assured me that the season before when I was languishing in that in that prison out yard, me in the background, that they don't treat well, background. Sure. I, I had to stand up for them a bunch of times, baking in 100 degree heat, 
and <laughs> not getting water breaks, not getting, you know, and, and, and I would go, hey, guys, I'm in here in the pen. Um, are you going to turn around on us at some point? Because they, sh they shouldn't, if I'm the only guy that's off camera, they're not even looking at these other guys. They, you should let them go take a break. Yeah, yeah. This is just torture. And, and a lot of that season for me was like literally just in prison and, and away from my family. And, and uh, <laughs> so that was that, that I'd had such a ball in season seven with Stephen Ogg in particular. He and I just had such a blast working together. And we were so psyched to be, uh, and we were, we were both back for season eight. He was being picked up as a regular, I was coming back. And um, so we got in a, a, an apartment together so that we would at least, when we were sentenced there for long periods of time away from home, we would hang out and have fun. And we did um, the first the, in season seven, but in season eight, the very first episode they had him push me off the iron staircase, which sort of flattened the souffle of our of our character's relationship. Um, and uh, there, there was no really picking. We kind of knew that once he'd done that, that, that we weren't going to be able to get back that that fun thing that we'd had going. Right. And that they were going to take it in a different direction. And and uh, that involved me being in prison in that yard. And uh, yeah. they kept, uh, Gimple's assistant kept telling me, we're going to, but the whole thing is it's going to be like the, the, the classic epic. We tear you down and then slowly we bring you back up until you are again the leader of Hilltop. And and uh, and then I said, but you're still going to hang me, right? Because that's partly why I did this. And you're, oh, yeah, you're going to get home. But first, we're going to get you get your power back. And so, like, I was so psyched for season nine when I was going to get my get to take back. And it was going to be an exciting sort of switcheroo to get... Gregory out and get him to run Hilltop again. And, and I didn't know where, how they were going to manage, but that was, that was what I was sort of looking forward to. And, and I think partly because, uh, you know, uh, other characters were suddenly leaving the show and they had to race forward in the storyline in order to get them to be in the positions that the storyline that, that they needed them to be in. So they had to, they had to give um, Gregory the, the unceremonious hanging and um you know i was just a little disappointed because that was that was gonna be a big season for me and i'd held out you know i just wanted to tell you amc is cheap it was the first year i was gonna make a dollar and then oh, they're gonna kill me off in the first show no way that's that's not fair and uh so i had disappointment and i i, I stopped watching the show okay so with with that being said, you know, there's all these spin-offs that are going to be coming off the series ending and everything. Um one of the series spin-offs, and this is from Linda. It's a spin-off of Negan and Maggie uh in the Isle Isle Island, Isle uh, of the Isle, Isle of the Dead, Dead. Isle of the Dead. Uh it's planned for 2023. She wants to know in Gregory's mind who was hung for trying to kill Maggie. Um, like with Negan at killing Glenn, she wants to kind of know like what your thoughts of this duo is together, like on this spinoff series that they're going to do, you know, like what would, I guess, what would, what would Gregory, you know, think since he was hung for just attempting to kill Maggie, um, you know, and then obviously Negan killing Glenn. 
See, that was part of my problem was that if Gregory didn't have the balls to um, to kill a zombie, to kill a, a walker, excuse me, correct vernacular. Yes. Um, I, I remember getting scolded for that. No, they're not zombies. Okay. Um, gotcha. Uh, if he didn't have the courage, and you know, I sacrificed a lot of vanity to play that part, to play this coward, this sniveling, un unappealing, douchey coward. Um, and let's face it, that, 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 that's not, I remember like in the beginning, like, and why am I supposed to want to play this part? And, and you was like, because he's because you're going to get to be funny. Because we think you're funny, and, and the show needs some humor, and, and it'd be great if you just, and, and so, okay, okay, humor, I like that, I like that. Um, and so, you know, I play this douche of all douches, and, you know, you go to the, these conventions, they say, we're, we're going to make up for the, 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 the lousy money we're paying you, but you're going to make up for it by going to these conventions. And, and nobody wanted Gregory's autograph. They, they wanted, like, maybe if he'd had a dartboard that had his face on it, I could have sold those. And then people would throw darts at him. They hated him so much. <laughs> and I'd done a couple of hundred movies and TV shows. I thought maybe there'd be fans from something else. No. All about the Walking Dead. <laughs> and I'm sitting there like, okay, so this guy is so unpopular. They don't even there were some great fans and I met some fabulous, fabulous people. And I have, I, I'm just really, I'm too fucking old to care about what anybody thinks anymore. Sure. I got some great stuff coming out. I got great shows coming. I can't even talk about this so fucking cool. And I signed NDAs about it. So I, I moved on, man. And, and I know the fan base is, is devoted like crazy, but I, I couldn't, I couldn't give a damn. I, I, you know, I was, I was told all about this family and, and it was, it was, the people were freaking awesome. Um, and, uh, it's, it's AMC. I'm not a fan of, I'll be honest about that. Uh, they, they just, they don't treat actors the way they should. People that have been around as long as I have should have been treated better than I was. And, yeah. and I got, I, I felt a little used, um, frankly, because, and it, and it was hard because you know, there's a couple of, of things you should never do that they, that old, I remember old time actors saying, never let them beg you, never let them make you pay for your life. Mm. It's a kiss of death for your career. And I, I, there were a lot of these things I knew, like, you, you know, hey, this is not an appealing guy. This is like, I can make him funny for those that are sophisticated enough, like so many of the cool fans I met were, and they got it. But the number of people that took it so literally, and they really thought like, I really, I must be that guy, and I got, I got treated like I was that guy sometimes, and I, um, you know, that for that you should be compensated. And so that's that's my straight out, and I know this is probably the kind of stuff that people like. I'm telling on him. Weird culture, yeah. That like I couldn't even, you know, like so. But I've just had a crazy day, so I hope I don't come off like an angry old fuck. If if it, if it makes you feel any better, Xander, you are my most memorable autograph. So that's because you almost died. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, buddy! I was thinking about that just on my yeah. crazy drive over to get here in time. Um, you know, I was so worried about you, and I'm so glad that you that was not as as 
uh, terrifying as it seemed at the time. Um, but it was awesome also to see, again, the community of people there. I, I don't mean to speak ill at all of the fan base because I was really impressed by the quality of people that were so kind and, and everybody that rallied around for you was a great example of that. Yeah, it was, you know, it was very cool. And, uh, you know, one of the things that kind of stuck out the most was what you said to me. I will never forget that I was on the stretcher and they're wheeling me out and you put your hand on my shoulder and you go, Ryan, my friend, if you wanted an autograph, you didn't have to faint. <laughs> and I just went, what? <laughs> Uh, really <laughs> and you handed me an autograph yeah yeah <laughs> my attention <laughs> i think I, I i tell that story all the time i i think that that is just one of the like it's what i needed in that moment more than you will ever know i needed that i needed that laugh because oh, i sat God. there so and i went this fucking guy <laughs> <laughs> yes i'm alive <laughs> um that that's uh, that's great. Well, I felt bonded. I felt like we we bonded then. That's why, like mm. for me, that's why it was so important to get here in time. And 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 I think the fact that it was the first time in my life, because I played a lot of bad guys, I don't mind playing bad guys. By the way, yeah, it's just douchey, cowardly bad guys. It's right. not good for your career. And it took me a little. I had to lay low, and I, I you know, it was it timed out perfectly for me, because we were moving out of Los Angeles, and 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 I just wanted to be with my kids. I didn't want to spend time on location where I wasn't allowed to go and see them sure, because they yeah. might need me on second unit. So I stopped doing TV series for, for three years. I just said, that's it. I'm just going to work. Uh, I'm just going to build a world here in Maine and, and be with my kids a hundred percent. Cause you know, I was older when I had kids and I don't want to miss the show. If you know what I mean? Mm -hmm, and, um, so it was, it was good. And, and I'm really excited about the stuff that's coming up now. Uh, and I, I still am trying to navigate it so that I, I don't have to be away for more than X amount of time on each of these things. And I've got these great things working out where they're, they're willing to let me be as involved as much or as little as I want and uh, be able to keep my presence with the kids. Good. That's all that they look, you know, as they get older, you know, and they start experiencing more and going through more and everything you want to be there, you know, being away from home is the worst thing at those points in times, you know, whether it's moving up ceremonies from, you know, going through each graduating from each grade up and everything and or sports or, you know, acting yeah. or whatever they're doing, you know, you want to be there for that. Well, and, and this was this these past couple of years have been so brutal for kids. Yeah. That, you know, just freaking brutal. So yep. like, yep. I, I'm, I'm, again, so glad we got out of LA. So we were at least in a place where there was, you know, space and and not as much of a, of a presence of the pandemic. Oh my God, just, I did a show last year up in Montreal because they, they brought the whole family up and we could sequester and quarantine together. And hmm. I, I was going to turn it down that my older kid said, but wait, we're going to do lockdown anyway. We're going to be like isolated from our friends anyway. Let's at least have an adventure. So you're right. We all went, had a, had a ball last winter doing that. Very and, good. uh, and this year they're they're back in there in the in the mix and and uh, looks like things might just might just get back to normal but i'm so glad i've been here for them and here in maine during this time it's been amazing well it's nice well, that you've been able to kind of 
build your own compound up there and you know it's just for you and your family so that's amazing it'd be a a, a, a sort of a post-apocalyptic dystopian um cult that i'm, I'm starting <laughs> no okay <laughs> more questions yes let's move on uh, well this is good because i got a ton about your i guess stuff that's coming up you know they got some questions about so i got two questions so i'm going to ask them so okay pi wants to know so one's going to be from pi and then one's going to be from dave they're both about booth at the end um so pi says tell us about booth at the end was the man in the booth ever officially confirmed to be the devil and then there's a follow-up question from dave from squawking dead he says were there ever any plans to try and revive the booth at the end either immediately afterward or later on it did seem to end on a well enough note but still yeah yeah it was so uh weird the um it, it was the very beginning of uh web series the the streaming concept and it was originally conceived as something that would people could guiltily watch at work and watch like five minute episodes that were contained within a half an hour mm -hmm. and they would draw it out that way and um and then the way it, it ended up going people watched half hour hour segments i think it was broken up just into i forget maybe 12 half hour sections um in the first season and, and they followed that pattern in the second and um but it was hulu at its inception and we thought we kind of helped put them on the map, but it was a little while before they were making more content and they were busy navigating and positioning themselves for uh, a great big piece of the pie. Um, and I think they, they moved on to two other things. And um, there was a, at one point, they, there was a lot of excitement about it. They were, they, they were talking to the writers of uh, Breaking Bad that just finished and, they were going to get and they were going to move it to another uh it was all this talk and uh it got bandied about because so many people were so into it won awards and all this stuff and then it just uh it's one of those things where um another studio this has happened to me so many friends of mine had been on an amazing show and then the studio head or the network head gets fired or leaves and they change you know gods and the, the the new person coming in doesn't want anything that anybody else has put there it's like dogs and peeing out their territory they, <laughs> they, don't, they don't want something that's been sullied by someone else because they think someone else is going to get the credit for it mm -hmm. and not it's not their discovery it's a, a natural thing i guess but it, it always seems heartbreaking so many friends of mine are like i can't believe this they, they were gonna, and they, they, they it's gone um, and it felt a little bit like that with the booth because it was such a cool concept. And whether or not I was determined to be the devil, uh, no, I, I was, uh, I was uh, innately a nebulous. Um, he was uh, the, the guy that conceived of it, saw him as a fallen angel, which Lucifer is a fallen angel, mm -hmm. but he wasn't specifically that. He was just somebody who had been high up and who had been cast down and had made off with 
a magical book from another uh, magical and anything from another dimension is mm -hmm. basically of the miraculous because it's not conceived conceivable here on this plane and this guy had come back with this thing that um allowed him to inter interact with human destiny and he, he knew i think that he wasn't allowed to interfere with the course of human destiny mm -hmm. so he had to very delicately in his he was trying to take a compass on human morality and okay. so he would somebody wanted something well how badly do you want what are you willing to sacrifice what are you willing to do to get it and um he could make things happen and he would by consulting with this book assign them a task that would allow them to have whatever they wanted uh, they they don't have to have it but this is what they have to do if they want to be sure to get it and it was oftentimes a challenging assignment and uh, sometimes you know just plain bad and um people had to struggle with their own conscience and then that was what he was interested in is like what are what are people willing to do to get what they want mm -hmm. what is what is the scope of, of human morality in the second season it was what is this crazy little thing called love and uh, and i don't know how many more of those kinds of uh, investigations could have been done but who i was excited to see and uh, it was a fun character but yeah i think he 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 wasn't a devil or angel uh he was a devil or God. He was a, a fallen angel who was delicately trying to keep a balance. Uh, and that's why different storylines enter. It was a brilliant concept for having different storylines balance each other out. So this counters that to keep, uh, you know, the course of, of human history from altering dramatically. So he could come in and go out unscathed. Um, and uh, I, I love the concept. It's one of my favorite things, one of my favorite characters. Yeah, it, so I mean, I'm trying to, there's so much being said in the chat about it too. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I actually got a question from Lucy, uh, Lucy Papworth out in the UK. First of all, she wants to know if you remember meeting her. And then she also oh, wanted me to thank you for, I believe it was, Tyler's Tyler's art. Yeah, was it was was it a comment he made? Yeah, or I think it was a comment. A comment yeah. you made on her son's on her son Tyler's art. Um, oh well, yeah, that's right. I've forgotten his name, but yeah, I remember his art, and I remember very clearly meeting her. That was one of my. I, I, see, I'll, I'll I'll be happy um, just to have made the friends that I did. All the cool people on the show, uh, you know, Stephen Og and I are friends for life, and. Uh, and and you know so many of us connected. I, Andy and I really connected on the show, and so it's just it's random. It's not always who you work the most with, but you just um, and and I felt that way about a lot of the fans, and especially in the British, uh, the the one that we did in, in London was really a, a magical um, event. The scale of it was nothing like anything I'd ever experienced before, and. and uh, you know, I remember Tom and I came out on this balcony and we just looked over and well, they were doing it for him, standing next to him, but it was like coming down when we came down the escalator, I think it was right. there or somewhere. 
and they just erupted um and they just to see all the characters from the show and, and that that was that was exciting but it was for me the thing that really did it was those that did choose to come to me a lot of them were people that did know about my uh previous career <laughs> and uh and were just people that uh got what i was doing as the character and uh but i wasn't really like that mm -hmm. and um and that i'd established some rapport with on twitter because i just had come into that realm and, and it just it was a blast just hanging out and then we all had so much fun all of us uh going out in london just these different restaurants and different hangs that we all gathered at it was a, i stayed a little longer because i had uh, meetings and stuff there and it was just super fun john i remember lucy very clearly <laughs> kind of hard to forget a five yeah. foot five yeah, foot nine redhead with a deep voice and a British accent, you know, oi, Xander, baby, you know, she's all, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just making fun of Lucy. You made her just sound like awesome power with a really deep voice. <laughs> yeah. I was Often, did you pass gas before me? Sorry, baby, I didn't know it was your turn. <laughs> oh, Lucy. Um, question from Tiffany. Tiffy wants hey, to know. Man. Yeah, Tiffy Tiff. Tiffy Tiff wants to know, how many hats do you have? How many did you keep from shows or movies? And are you willing to send me one? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There's one in the, in the back of my car right now. And it, it has a, the masking tape, Xander. Written, so I know it's from some show. It's kind of like a 40s thing, but it's a, it's a little snug on me. And, and I, I actually saved it because I was putting a painting in the back of the car today uh, to take out from the farm. And, and uh and i like oh my god then my hat's back in there as so i curled this big thing in there and i pulled the hat out from under it so i have one to send her there you go hey look she you never send me she just needs to send me a self a, a self-addressed stamped hat box there you go there you go you, you see you never know unless you ask you know you know the worst i could say is no right well, I'm, I'm gonna send him a self-addressed envelope but that he can put money in and send to me i see so, you know that's what i well, would you guys because you know you guys especially tiffy tiff is, is one of my favorite people out there uh to interact with she's just so the the, the little gifts and, and memes mm -hmm. memes are her thing in particular uh brilliant and so funny and really joy to interact with yes and she's one of our ogs too she is an og yeah, yeah. she's been there for yeah. a long time yep um oh i have a buzz aldrin question for you from pi <clears throat> you were buzz aldrin in apollo 11 you look like you were actually bobbing in zero gravity how were you in how how were the space scenes filmed well we didn't have the budget that we did on apollo 13 and i felt so blessed and lucky We've had both of those experiences. Um, you know, Apollo 13, big budget Universal Studios movie, and and uh, they had the vomit coming, the, the thing that they, you mm -hmm. might have heard, that they, the rocket that they actually went up and came down, and there was a period of weightlessness that they, they would all take Dramamine and different things to try and keep from barfing all over each other. But <laughs> Um, we didn't have to do that. I was, I was not entirely disappointed. And I, you know, I grew up in the theater where we create illusions with practical magic and, you know, Terminator 2 was, was, was a, a, a practical stunt as much as it was a, a computer generated 
um, effect. And, uh, you know, with Apollo 11, um, first of all, having Buzz Aldrin be the actual, like, uh, technical advisor, and he had a small part, and it got cut out. He wasn't a great actor, but he was a great astronaut. Um, and uh, having him there to consult about playing himself was just an absolutely extraordinary experience, as you can imagine. Um, and uh, but the day he wasn't there, the day we did the uh, the simulation of the uh, the moonwalk, they had a beautiful set that they made and of the moon craters and all that good stuff and black backdrops and uh, cables uh, that were pretty much invisible in the in that environment. I think I'd do a little bit of touching up to get rid of whatever indication there were of them, but we had actual space suits that had um, the cables in a harness that you wore underneath mm -hmm. and, um, you know, the helmet and all the rest of it. At one point, the oxygen, so the cables could allow you to lope and they, you know, so we put with the pulley and all the rest of it. <laughs> so that if you take a step, it lifts you like, and to create the illusion of weightlessness is freaking awesome mm -hmm. fun. You know, I've been a, a, a bit of an athlete when I was younger. So all of those kinds of things always were opportunities for me um, with the physical training that you get as an actor from a young age in the theater to combine with athleticism to be able to create an illusion is just like uh, kind of what you, you live for at different points along the way. And, and the thing I, I almost died for was the fact that the oxygen, because we we're in a spacesuit and there was, you know, they had, uh, as well as having cables from above, they had a snaking up my my astronaut pantsuit laying <laughs> up into, there was a hose that kept oxygen going up through my neck uh. into the helmet. So I didn't suffocate. Mm -hmm. And in mid-lope at one point, the because the the without my realizing it, because it's so padded, the hose had come out from the uh, helmet and was in the suit. So my body was getting oxygen. <laughs> and uh, I was literally mid-lope, and all of a sudden, out. I, 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 I passed out. Oh shit! And I I, I don't. Maybe that's the only time I can ever remember just like passing out in my life. Um, and because you don't remember the other times. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not a big fainter. Um, uh, so all of a sudden, like, bloom, black. And the next thing I know, like, I'm, I'm coming to with a, an oxygen mask on my face and, and a helmet and like, and, and I'm wearing a big spacesuit on the flat out on my back and on the moon. <laughs> and what the hell happened to me? I guess the hose just went through. Yeah. It happens, man. I, I just did a, a, a an interview with Paul Shear, one of my dear friends, brilliant comedy genius out there in the world. I'm sure you guys know him. Um, and he, they, we were talking about how how many times I've almost been killed in real while filming sequences where I get killed on, on set. That's an interview in and of itself. Mm. But it's dangerous what we do sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And look, especially, you know, when you're doing your own stuff, you know, you don't got somebody to step in or whatever. 
Um, yeah, I mean, and a lot losing... of times they have somebody there, right? Step in, but they they look like Coco the Clown or something, and you, you know they're not going to be a great match for you, <laughs> right? Now, were, a couple of times there was a guy from Ringling Brothers or something that, that was and he literally had the the, the red hair and <laughs> they, they really didn't want to see his face at all right so but when when he would do the this when you know falling backwards over the couch or whatever when you got shot or when you got hit and they would get Coco to come in and Coco and he, <laughs> <laughs> Coco. <laughs> uh, oh my God! The, it would look, suddenly you're in the middle of this drama, and and I can remember I won't mention the shows, but they, they weren't great. Um, but it was <laughs> they were filmed in Florida, and that guy was like uh, twice. Uh, like we don't let Coco do it because you know what? He's gonna overdo it. It's gonna be funny. <laughs> He's, a great clown. He's a great clown. Coco but is an over. I don't want him doing my stunts. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so uh, I guess I'll take that one. You stand there and you look at it and you go, well, that looks really dangerous, but why does it look bad when he's doing something? <laughs> so just man up. Yeah. You know what? I'll just do it. Screw it. <laughs> um, from Linda uh, in City of Lies, what memories of filming do you keep with uh, Forrest Whitaker? Were you a fan of Christopher Wallace, a.k.a. the Notorious B.I.G.? You know, I, I, I'm so old and white i i i i tried to be good and uh i i you know i kind of missed I, I was in the house and um but rap you know i i, I felt affected trying to you know like, uh, people my age would be into it and I go, really yeah. uh, <laughs> i missed the boat I, I grew up with motown mm -hmm. and the british invasion so for me <laughs> it, you know I, I could handle punk because I was the, the exact age of punk rock uh, and there was a, an authenticity to that, but it was not my favorite. Um, I missed the, what I had grown up on and I, I'm still nostalgic. I'm, I was a folky mm -hmm. um, as much as I was into uh, all of uh, Motown and all of the British invasion early on as a kid. Um, as, as each one was coming out, like on AM radio, you get to listen to sitting on the dock of the bay and then you get to listen to, you know, a, a new Beatles song. And it was an incredible time to grow up and, and with music. And and it, for me, I just sort of checked out a little bit after New Wave. Um, I, I was into a lot of, of stuff from New Wave. that uh, was like the revival of music for me, but I I, I, I didn't, um, I was not conversant in, in rap and I, and I don't pretend to be. I always felt like I'd be a fake if I, I feel like I was, but. I'm a big fan of Forrest Whitaker, and we know each other from way back, and I love that guy, and, and it was cool as hell working with him again. I didn't get to work with uh, Johnny on that one, but uh, ran into him on it, and, and Brad Furman directed it. You know, let me just say something in terms of City of Lives. Uh, Brad's got a, a great movie that he's about to do, and I'm so excited for him. Um, he... he tracked me down when he was a kid to do his first uh, short film. And um, he'd somehow gotten Steve Gutenberg to do it and, and uh, Pat uh, Healy. And uh, we just, I, I said, yeah. And he just really wanted me to play. I played a, a guy that was, uh, um, I forget, 
special. Uh, I forget the exact term you're supposed to use. <laughs> and that'll. Yeah. Um, and, and, yeah. that, uh, and that without filter. Uh, but he, he was mentally retarded. And uh, and he really wanted me to play the part. And, and it was short, you know, so you don't get paid. You just go and do this thing out of, out of because I, I just dug this guy. He just was, he had such heart and he was so convincing. When he talked me into it. And uh, and he, when it came around, I, I remember with City of Lies, my manager at the time, I forget who was brought it to my attention. So I, I had to give him a call. Go, uh, Brad, remember when I did your damn short film for nothing? I understand you're doing a movie with Johnny Depp and Forrest Whitaker. Anything uh, that for me? And and that was what there was. And uh, he was like, Oh my God. Dude, thank you so much for calling me. You know, they're all, they're trying to put, everybody's trying to put their person in there and everything. And all of a sudden, oh my God, yeah, hang on, I got a person. And, and uh, so it was great to work with Brad. I, I love that guy. And, and Forrest. And, and oh, I, I, oh, there you are. I should listen to Tupac. I, I have familiarity with him, thought he was super cool, but I didn't, I don't know. Notorious. Mm. I should it's a gap in my musicology. Okay, I don't think anybody's mad at you for it. We're good. Um, we are going to go. I just had one by Pi. Okay, we're going to go back to Pi. Uh, Pi wants to know. Um, Pi wants to know a lot, actually. Um, <laughs> oh, um, The Dark and the Wicked uh, was not your first horror. But was the first time, but was it the first time you were the monster? But was it the first time you were the monster? I, I, I'm filtering through all the, uh, the the sort of little like weird indies and, and short film favors for friends, student films along the way. I think it maybe it maybe was, but I it's funny because really uh growing up as a kid as we all do i apologize i have an emergency at work i gotta take a phone call yeah cool um playing the monster lon cheney i, I was a makeup artist in the theater because i was an artist and, and um my father was an artist and I, I did artwork from the time i could crawl and um uh, my father loved all those early gothic horror films and so the fact that you know, Lon Chaney did his own, Lon Chaney Jr. did his own makeup and created these incredible monsters that I was terrified by and, and in love with as a kid, seeing them on like 16 millimeter prints and, and like uh, projected and just so part of the reason I became an actor. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've been holding off on the monster until I, I got so old that I was actually scary to look at. No, um, I just... Uh, <laughs> I sort of weirdly avoided horror films. So the only one that I did early on was was Candyman mm -hmm. because it was so smart and so it was not a slasher thing. It, well, he did slash and I did get slashed. Right. But it wasn't um, a gratuitous kind of violence that I tried to avoid. And it was smart art horror, I felt like. Mm -hmm. um, and, and the, just like The Walking Dead is, you know, in a way, it's just like an art piece and not just the gruesomeness and not just like, 
Um, <laughs> but I have always wanted to play the monster, and I, I feel like the Dark and the Wicked, I got to just touch the surface of what I'd be able to do if I were to do it. And uh, I, I'm really good friends with some of the most, and this is like a brag, I don't name drop actors, but I'm friends with Billy Corso, William Corso, Gene Neal, mm. Tony G. The, these, are the <laughs> these are the makeup artists that went with Academy Awards. And um, they are dear friends of mine, and, and I have learned so much working with them, and they've been so generous and shared so much of the esoteric secrets behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, working with a lot of friends of mine, that's because I was an artist living in LA, I was friends with a lot of people that were the sculptors for movies. And, and so I've, um, I've thought about it a lot. Planned on it. So that's coming. It was maybe the devil in the dark. Maybe not. <laughs> Again, ambiguity. Oh, you're back. Yeah, sorry about that. Oh, that's okay. Yeah. Ryan decided he wanted to join us again. Um, let me see. Pi said, I tell you, the priest scared the living crap out of me when he stood there. Go watch it. Bring extra undies. Oh, okay. Candyman scared the shit out of me uh, when it came out. So, yeah, I mean. You, you know, Candyman, I, I had one scare in, in Candyman because uh, Bernard and I felt like, oh, this is so perfect. Because <laughs> she's there alone. I've been out philandering or something and and drinking and come back in and she's holding she's been terrified because she's had all these encounters and scares and uh i think she's on the bed and i think i had the idea and i said what if i like to make up for the fact that i've been a bad boy come in and scare her and and if the camera's here because i see where the camera if i leapt up onto the bed and like, so that she's like, like, like that's, you know, like, that was his, the character's way of covering for his steps, give her a little scare and that'd be funny. And uh, of course she's, the audience would leap because they were on the edge of their seat if they saw something leap up. So that, that, that was the only chance I got to scare in Candyman. And, and oh, and when, when, uh, you know, that originally in Candyman that uh, my character didn't die. And mm -hmm. then they did a test screening for the audience. And, and I remember Bernard was this British madman. He used to twist his hair. And, uh, 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 he's very, he's just unusual. He's he, off the charts, genius <laughs> brain. And, and so he didn't sometimes have control of his body. Um, I remember when he was, Mate, we screened the film and everybody at the end, they all they fill out their questionnaires and they all said they want to see you die, mate. They want to see you die. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, yeah. And he really just for a little flavoring out there, kill him, kill him. Um, <laughs> kill him. And uh, so he's, oh, we worked it out. It's fucking brilliant. You, you go, you, you're with your little chippy and you're disgusted by her. You're over already and you miss. Helen and she's gone forever. You fucked up, and you know you go to the you go to the bathroom to get a moment of peace, and she's in there. She can't even fucking cook a steak, and she's cutting this fucking piece of meat. And you're in the bathroom, and you sit there. You go, 
Yeah. You say it five times, mate. And she fucking shows up and she fucking candy bitch. <laughs> and he was and, and we're gonna have gouts and gouts and blah. And literally on the day we shot this thing, he himself came on set after the, the makeup thing, and that was it was the big miss but you know. I feel like, really, this is how we're going to do it? I'm going to be in the bathtub, okay. Dave, you're going to cut to me. I'm in the bathtub, and they've got my rib cage and my jeans split open and everything. That's <laughs> whatever. And uh, so, yeah, because she's going she's gonna to have the hook, and she's going to tell you, stem the stern, stem the stern. And, uh, and cats and cats. And so he had this this tank, like, I, I guess you, an old fashion like water tank to put out a fire or something mm. it was the weirdest thing and he had it filled with stage blood and he himself was like <laughs> all over me all over the wall of it um yeah that, that's my memory of being, <laughs> being gruesome in candy man uh let me see so oh well oh and also in the last little touch yep I, I was willing, I had the idea that when the the hook came to ripped up, I would have my mouth filled with blood so that the whole time they wouldn't be able to intercut it. It was, again, not a big budget movie, so practical effects. Mm -hmm. And it was like waiting until it would reach my stomach or my lungs or something uh, to then <clears throat> have the blood spill out of my mouth. That was fun. That's very cool. Yeah. Is... <laughs> Let me see. Fine goes, you're having a nice bath and suddenly your ribcage pops open. <laughs> uh, pie in our commentary, I love it. Um, where do we want to go next? Someone had a good question in here about recent stuff. Come on, it's really only pie. You're just covering for the fact that nobody else has. No, no, no. I'm, I, I'm scrolling through this whole list. Uh, <laughs> I told you Gregory was not popular. Oh no, I've got Gregory questions, but I'm, I'm staying away from them because I want to get to I want to get to like the the, the, the new stuff. Um, oh, here we go. Uh, Linda says about the Wall of Mexico. In an interview, Jackson Rath Rathbone Rath Rathbone mm -hmm. says Xander and I worked together many years, and I begged him to come do this movie with us. He said yes for some reason. I don't know why. So can you give us the reason why you said yes? Well. I love Mexico, and uh, I really like the script. They're uh, the writer-director couple is a couple. She's Polish and he's uh, American, but very Euro-centric art film, uh, cinephile kind of types. And, and you don't get to do those art films that often anymore. They're, I grew up in the golden age, independent films that where they had a budget for, you know, movies like Sid and Nancy and, and um, Leaving Las Vegas or Safe and just a whole bunch of different movies that I was a part of uh, in what I consider kind of golden age for independent filmmaking. And things could be risky and, and arty and, and still get a budget. Um, and so the fact that they had any kind of budget for a film that was as clearly art oriented as this, uh, I jumped at it and I, I, Jackson's such a sweet guy and he's fun to be around and 
I, I didn't know Esai, but I knew we hit it off, and we did. And, and um, the all the, the women in the film just I won't bore everybody with the names, but they're all awesome people and great actors. And I had a blast. I, I love Mexico, and it was right before it moved. And that was the only question was that we were getting ready to move, and I'd just come back from I think wrapping up The Walking Dead, and it was a uh, it, it, it wasn't easy to do it, but it was a blast. Mm -hmm. well, coming off that death, anything would have been fun, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, Sorry, you know, I just, you left the door open for me, so. <laughs> and you could say that AMC left them hanging. Oh, oh you know? wow. We're in Punsville. I didn't hear yeah. that. I'm going to say it again. <laughs> I said AMC really left you hanging, huh? <laughs> <laughs> no, they did. They did. Uh, you know, nobody says anything bad about studios because they're afraid they're not going to work again. But I think I'll be all right. I we have faith in you, Xander. Yeah, we, we truly do. I'm pretty sure you. I'm pretty sure you got this down to a, a pretty good system by now. Um, here's a good one. It says, "Have you lent? Have you lent your voice to Batman? Have you lent your? Have you lent your voice to to?" That's where I'm getting confused. Two Batman animated films. Have you seen the last, the Batman with Robert Patterson? Um, I can't wait to see the Batman with Robert Patterson. And just while we've been talking, Andrea Romano popped up and she said, Rogeri and I were just chatting about you in a good way. <laughs> it just made me miss you more than ever. Um, she directed uh, the Batman forever. A lot of the animated Batmans. Mm -hmm. She's one of the. I think she's retired now, but she's really. I did Supermans with her, and Batman's, and Spider-Man's, and she's just freaking awesome. And and um, and it's so funny because I took it as a good sign. I'm gonna. I can't wait to get back to her. Um, that uh, I I got an audition to. Uh, you know, the voiceovers, you know, I could get offered TV series without having to read for it. I could get offered big parts of movies without having to read for it. But animation, you always got to audition for everything. And, uh, but it's worth it because you can just, you know, do it into your phone now. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a big deal. It's not like going in and getting your, you know, your straw butter and your cane and doing the tap dance for people in the office. Um, <laughs> Which is what, at a certain age, it just to continue to have to, you know, go begging for work just is the law of diminishing returns. Um, so I like I like the offers, the respect of them, but I I'm really happy to be auditioning for the role. Of, I'll never get it because I'll always go with English people, but I am I do have an amazing role as a as a Brit coming up in something that I've just been hired to do that I can't talk about. Okay. And so I grew up among the British when I was a kid, and I also lived over there. So I can think a pretty good British accent, but Brits, uh, Brits are always playing Americans. Yeah, always, always. always. So, you know, it, it, I consider, like, if I'm one of the one of the American actors, I get to occasionally play a British character. Mm -hmm. Let's balance things out. Huh? Right. <laughs> um, and... Uh, they're they're casting for the role of Alfred in a new Batman animated film. Mm -hmm. I will definitely put in my two cents on that. That would be freaking amazing. That would be great. Playing fun. Alfred, yeah, that would be. Absolutely... You no, know, I I worked. Uh, I was the only American that worked on the, the Cherry Orchard. Uh, that was based on the Chekhov play. Damn it, um, 
And it was directed by this 80 something year old director who had done Zorba the Greek and all these classic films and, and um, Alan Bates and Charlotte Rampling, all Brits and Scottish and Welsh and, and New Zealander. Melanie Linsky was in it, uh, Gerard Butler, Terry Butler's one of his first, first movies mm-hmm. and um, crazy cool cast. And um, uh, Michael Goff, who played the original Batman in, in with Michael Keaton, was in this film. And he was very old and just absolutely fantastic. And uh, so I feel like if I were to do, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to watch uh, and listen to the voice that Michael did. And because I spent a lot of time with him, sort of as an homage, try to channel him for that audition. A, I'm getting yelled at in the chat. It's okay. I'm Who's hand, yelling? Everybody's yelling at I'm me. Talking too much? No, no, no. You're yelling at me, because because I, you know, I, I'm I'm swerving through questions. You know, I'm trying to, you know, but you know, don't worry, everybody. I'll get to it. Lucy says, as a Brit, you got it. <laughs> um, Xander does a great great accent. Um, there was some other stuff in there. Half of the great American actors are British. Yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> a lot of people did say that Bat- I did just see the Batman and it was look three hours long is a lot for any movie, mm-hmm. any movie. Um, I personally feel like they probably could have done it in two twenty. Mm-hmm. you know, there's like three points where they could have ended that movie. I was just watching Citizen Kane last night and thinking, I could take an hour out of it. <laughs> yeah. you, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> the best movie ever made, but I could still snip some out. Yeah. It's just, uh, yeah. So it was good, though. I'm going to say it was good. Patterson was good as a as the okay. Batman. Right. I think he did a great job. Um, honestly, it, it's a much darker version than anything we're really used to. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, and it was. Um, I think he did a good job of playing kind of like a vengeful, vengeance, mm-hmm. like because he is, you know, the, he really plays hard on. He is the he is the justice. He is the vengeance in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to where he even wears like the black makeup around the eyes. He has this like hurt soul thing about him. You know what I mean? Where he's like hurt deep, um, and he carried and it took the Joker's success <sighs> as a being critically right race the way it was and they uh went in that direction yeah <laughs> and it was Were good. people involved with the joker that did the, the batman i haven't tracked it no right it's not the same i, I know matt reeves did this batman right um but i don't i don't i don't think any, i don't think any of the big any of the big production people were involved in this movie that were involved in joker right i don't think so because they're introducing a new Joker mm-hmm. at the very sorry, oh, crap. All right, Twitter. <laughs> okay, good. That was just kind Twitter. of a, that was just kind of a spoiler. My bad. Uh, back to the questions before I fuck up anything else. Uh, <laughs> uh, question about alchemy of the spirit. Is it too early to talk about that? A little. Um, okay, but then we won't if it's too yeah, early. A little early. Um, what's happening with it okay all right so i know when i first reached out to you you were out west 
Except I can say this about Alchemy of the Spirit, that uh, we did shoot it on one of the properties here in Maine, and it was something that uh, a friend of ours uh, saw some pictures of, of this of this property and said, it's a very old inn from in the, the late 18th century, and it's rather decrepit, and it's, it's a great, I, I think there's another great horror movie to be made on the same location, and we saved a lot of it. Like we didn't shoot any of the murals that were from the the turn of the century, like eighteen hundred, and we didn't shoot the ballroom, and we just shoot shot the the barn, and and parts of the house that uh, to make it look like two artists that had left New York and were in the big in the art world and had thought they'd get away from it all, and they maybe got a little too far away from it all, and. Maybe you don't know what's happened, but uh, I'll, I'll, this is the one spoiler about Alchemy of the Spirit is um, I wake up, opening shot in bed, and Sarah Clark, the, the beautiful and very talented wife, uh, plays my wife in the film, and she's dead. Just like that when I wake up, and he freaks out, he like, takes in that she's not breathing, and there's pills. She's obviously been sick. There's all these pills by the side of the bed. And he, he's, he goes to see if any of them could maybe help him. And he goes to call 911. And, and, and then he stops. He hangs up because he doesn't want them to take her away. So he gets back in bed and he just goes back to sleep almost and numbs his brain. And um, he brings her back as a work of art. Because he's oh. this eccentric, and in so doing, she comes back to life, and you don't know whether it's all in his head or whether it's happening, and, um, and that's the premise of the film, and it's speaking to someone on the other side, and that whole hmm. the beyond. Yeah, it's pretty. Well, yeah, it's pretty really deep. interesting. Thing. And Sarah and I did a page one rewrite. He wrote it really quick and put it together. We shot it with like literally no budget. Uh, I have to say, uh, we all just uh, made it happen. Everybody was a kind of producer of it that came together. We just thought it's, it's an opportunity, just like as soon as we got here, make something happen mm -hmm. on the property. And that's what we want to do. We want to make movies. Here. So uh, it was a bold adventure. And, and Steve Balderson had his own vision and he did his own thing with it. Um, but, uh, but it was great for us to get to work together here in Maine and, uh, to take on such a, a conceptual thing. And I, I, I know it's, uh, it's, it's entering out into the world, but you know, he did things with the editing that we would not have done, um, right. that we wish we had been able to be involved with, but, uh, it's still a very interesting movie. That's, I, I'm a, I, like I said, I'm just an honest guy. Do a lot of people, you know. So obviously, Pi wanted you to talk as much about it as you could, but um, yeah, a lot of people are saying some people really like it. Yeah, good friends of ours saw these little test screenings and stuff. And we had our issues with it, so we are a little bit conflicted because we know how it could have been kind of in our minds. If we if we if it was our movie, we would have done something different. But he right. he made that movie. He gets to do it. Yeah. I think I mean conceptually, like this sounds pretty cool. It's really cool. Um, it's such a cool idea. And yeah, you did a great. Job. Yeah, you it sounds the unique. Cinematographer, it was very cool. I, yeah. I don't mean to talk it down. No, no, no. It just sounds like it's something that 
like actually like like let's face it there's so many remakes and there's so many rewrites of the same story yeah. over and over and over again so number but, one but, to, to have this done basically in your backyard yeah you know um and we did another movie in our backyard uh just recently that just just sort of landed that, that it turned out that they were shooting it like in our town right 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 by the kids school in this all, all of our stuff was shot at this house we put the parents the lead um actor who she she wrote it and and, and directed it these kids today you know wow. she's out there in la but she's from maine and she came back and she did the whole thing um heightened is the name of that film okay and i'm excited to see that one too i haven't seen it yet but that was super fun so in all the filming that you've been doing obviously you've been busy you've been because uh, i know like i said when i first reached out to you i want to say i tried when i first reached out to you i sent you and I remember, so let me tell this quick story real quick. Is that I was, we were, we were obviously thinking about having you back on. And um, so I'm, I'm going through my phone and I, just for some reason, I'm scrolling all the way through it and all the way at the bottom because Xander, you know, starts with the next. So I'm all the way down at the bottom of my contacts. And here is his name. And I'm like, bottom of the barrel what are the chance well, i'm like what are the chances that this is like still his number uh-huh. and i'm like you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna do it so i type in a very basic hey xander this is chris from the podcast blah 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 you know i'm I, sorry you know I, this is very kind of like awkward for me to do you know kind of thing and um and we seen each other at the uh Sonoya thing since we then? well i mean we we that's where we did see each other there as well okay. but um but it was so okay. it was just uh i'm gonna pull it up just because <laughs> i can i was like shitting a brick when when i uh sent this message so the first message is is this still sir xander berkeley's phone number <laughs> this is chris from the podcast he said the lord <laughs> he writes back the lord my master may still be reached here yes <laughs> <laughs> i literally was like so nervous i was and i wrote i was like i was so nervous sending that text and then i was able to like be like hey you know we were interested in having you uh come back on so this was back in october when i originally spoke with you and i had asked you about you know and you said you were very busy at the time you were out west in montana i want to say yeah Uh, doing a movie that was produced by someone right here in our town they'd moved to our town since since we did okay. during right before the pandemic or maybe at the very beginning of it she and her husband and their two kids um moved and we we'd met them before and they were they they had main connections the one of the people on the board one of the big financiers is is a, a major and um so they'd been up here and and thinking about it and then they just moved and, and we'd become really good friends. Like I just did the, I just painted the murals and he's a chef and was a caterer in the business. And now he's got an opening a restaurant wow. and it's my daughter's going to get her first job at 15 working for him because she loves to cook. Right. Well, and awesome. uh, I, I just did the murals on the wall of this restaurant and, and Molly Connors, it's Fyfen Pictures, P-H-I-P-H-E-N that produced Butcher's Crossing as uh, a Nicolas Cage movie that I, I did at that time. And it was that was crazy hard work. It was like, again, this is a movie that would have had a huge budget back in the day, um, but now in this in this in, in this climate, um, 
Yeah. Even since 2008, something happened in the business and, and they don't, they just can't seem to fork over the, the money you need to make these kind of movies anymore. Mm -hmm. um, but we did it miraculously in 18 days. And wow. it's set in the 1870s. And it's a, it's based on the novel Butcher's Crossing by John Williams. It was in school reading in the 60s and on in different schools um, over the years about the final decimation of the buffalo. Um, and the weirdness of that is we've been hanging out with them and and uh, I didn't know if there was going to be a part of it for me yet. And uh, Sarah was has been working, my wife has been working on a documentary about the return of the buffalo by the Blackfeet Indians and the, re, the, the repopulating of the plains with, with buffalo and, and uh, how it's helping to revive uh, the tribe, uh, both in, in uh, Montana and in, in Alberta, Canada. And um, so she's intimately familiar with the, the, the subject matter. And she, we, we worked with this, ended up working with the same tribe and the same herd of buffalo that she's been going and filming for this documentary and making a narrative film about uh, the contemporary thing. So she's, my wife's devoted to returning the buffalo and I go out there and I, I kill them. Uh, with, with Nicholas, Nick does most of the killing. I'm the one-armed uh, mule team driver in the club. <laughs> okay. All right. Awesome. Well, you know, since you were out in Montana, I, did you did you get any, did you get any Yellowstone vibes, 1883 vibes? Are you into any of that stuff? Uh, like the Yellowstone yeah, I, TV I, show in, in 1883 and yeah, all them. Yeah, I watched it. Yeah. Yellowstone? No, Yellowstone. I'm yeah. joking. Um, <laughs> Give me my picnic basket. <laughs> <laughs> boo -boo. Hey, hey, boo boo. Oscar guy. Yeah. No, I don't. I don't know Kevin. I've never worked with him. I think they. Everyone's just saying how sexy you would look in a cowboy hat. So. And boots. And boots. Uh, and boots, of course. Can't forget. Well, Wyndham said that. Well, yeah. Yeah, it'd be fun to play a, a cowboy where I don't have to be like the one-armed crazy fucking <laughs> lunatic. Um, I might still have one cool, cool-looking cowboy left, and somebody's what? listening. So, <laughs> you about pie? Yeah, pie. So, pie has a question. It says, "Question: The stump hand was it green screen or latex, or did you actually cut off your hand? Perhaps I don't think so, pie. I'm gonna say green. Um, I'm gonna say green screen. It was combo. Oh, okay. We did the uh, you. Again, because I have certain skills, because their budget was limited, because it, it is what it was. I was working on something else. I got back and I had, um, uh, I made a cast with one hand late at night mm -hmm. before I took off uh, <laughs> for this other job I was doing. Mm -hmm. In between, I, uh, I, I made a cast of, of my fist, you know, which, which involved uh basically wrapping it in plaster bandage and then cutting it up the back so they'd have the, the details that they need right got my hand out put it back together wrapped it up poured uh what's what's no i get what did i have to no i know what i did i had to at first i had to cover it in alginate which is the stuff you make dental stuff that oh that okay big yeah i got and so I made this big rubbery thing, and that's what I cut up. And then 
I, I took my fist out and then I put it back together and then I wrapped it in gauze bandages and then I poured the plaster in and then made a plaster positive of my fist like this. Mm -hmm. Slightly warped a little bit here and there. Mm -hmm. But it was pretty darn good. Not every actor knows how to do that with one hand. I was already practicing getting into the character of one-handed lifestyle by doing that all with one hand uh, and, mm -hmm. and shipped it off to the, uh, to the makeup artist uh, that was somewhere in New Mexico, I guess, um, to uh, to make the the stump, and so basically they they had to make the flesh that goes around it not the color. Yeah, yeah, it was the tricky thing, and I shouldn't even talk about this because it sort of spoils the illusion. But one of the things that uh, if you're going to add one of the things that never works about stumps is that <laughs> you're trying to sell this. Yeah, and you've got this. Because there's nothing you can you can do with that, right. and so there's some parts they're going to have to CGI when it just looks too bad. Um, but so you're all the time you've got to to make it work. You've got to pull this arm all the way up, mm -hmm. and so that your sleeve looks short, and it looks like you got your hand cut off because it's a big part of the story. How he lost his hand, and uh, and so in order to make this. That look weird. You have to wear a pad over here, right? So you got to even out, right? It, it, it helps to sell the illusion, right? So you got you're walking around the whole time like this, and and, and the, the wardrobe, like I kept trying to like, I literally they, they were so underfunded and over, the, you know, the the time, the amount of time, everybody was working so hard. I sewed my own um, buffalo sling. Mm -hmm. We saw these, I pulled up some great pictures of one-handed guys back in cowboy days, uh, and even in the buffalo uh, hunting days, and um, maybe some gold rushers, but they had a, they had a buffalo sling uh, that this guy had, because you don't want to show off your stump, you know, it's not something you really, hey, you want to see my stump? <laughs> um, well, a lot of people like, want to know if you brought the stump home. Yeah. <laughs> Did you bring some people want to know if you brought the stump home after the after the movie? Did you bring it home? I brought my my the the beautiful buffalo that I sewed mm. and just tore my hand apart sewing. Getting a needle through a buffalo hide is not easy. I couldn't imagine. Um, but it, it's a cool last thing and, and I a lot of it I sell but just by keeping it in there. But mm -hmm. to drive a mule team? Right. With one hand? <laughs> They, they thought this is crazy. That's something a writer writes right. that you can't do. Right. Um, but I figured because I do a lot of stuff with my hands, I figured out how to hold one of the reins for the right with my between these two fingers, and then hold the other between these, and that I'm I'm pulling this way and that to try because you have to pull this one to get them to turn right, mm -hmm. and you pull that one usually like this to get them to turn left. Right. And this is how you. You, you drive a mule team and have to do that with one hand. They're very fucking tricky, especially when you're going over cliffs and they want to follow the horses. Right. And and the horses are supposed to go uh, around these big rocks, but they just, because they're not professional riders, they just go between them. And then I'm on this carriage. I'm 10 feet off the ground on this carriage <laughs> with the mules. And and they just follow the horses. And so I go up over the thing, literally down below I shouldn't be talking about this. It was, it was nothing that we did that was dangerous. <laughs> these producers. No mules no were hurt. 
no mules were injured <laughs> ever. Uh, but, but you know, it was it was a crazy time because I don't want to buzzkill, but there was a Western being shot at the time where uh, bad things happened, and so everybody we were all a little on edge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it's tricky, uh, just in general, to to do that one-handed thing. I yeah, couldn't even careful. imagine. I uh, like trying to like think about doing it by you know like doing and that. then act. And then act but, right, and, and, and then hit hit your mark. That was a really great one when Nick was going crazy in this one scene because uh, he was frustrated and and it sort of fit the character. But he was really there were a couple of times <laughs> when it's the fifth or sixth time that I worked with Nick, and he, I, I fucking love the guy, but he's he's crazy, and uh, to sometimes the merge between the character and self. And so, okay, the, the horses, the, the mules especially, I remember the, the mule team drivers said, you know, when you guys were, the, you know, you were you're up there fighting Xander and, and uh, you know, uh, you, you started shouting at each other very well and we all thought you were really fighting. And uh, so we got scared. Of course, of course, the mules never seen nobody shout like that before. And uh, so they got jumpy. That's why they almost threw you. Uh, <laughs> 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 this one part where Nick jumps onto the carriage and starts we have this thing. And, uh, it was, it's exciting. That's why you do this shit. That's yeah. I mean, uh, part of it, you know, life is, is sort of treacherous no matter how safe you play it. And mm-hmm. I've had a lot of fun not playing it very safe over the years. Well, that's, look, this is why we enjoy doing this because we get to have someone like you here to tell us these stories of things that like we will probably never be a part of. So it's just as like, this is why we love it. You know, we love Where getting you guys live again, New York, New York, New York city. Nope. No, we're uh, about an hour and a half North. Yep. What town are you allowed to reveal? Yeah. So I'm um, in Poughkeepsie. Yeah. We're right in the Poughkeepsie area. It's like the queen city, you know, Queen yeah. City. yeah, yeah, right by Vassar yeah, College. College. There yep. you go. Well, yeah, you because that's a very it's a very artsy school. <laughs> you, do you know that? Ref- you must know that reference if you're from there. Which one? Ian Hackman, um, Papillon. No, no. What am I saying? Not Papillon. Uh, oh, one of the classic early Gene Hackman movies of uh, where he plays uh, a detective. Somebody's going to say it. Gene Hackman. They know. It's a one name thing. I think he plays Popeye Doyle, who's the detective, real life oh. detective. He goes, Did you or did you not pick your toes? See, something like that. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. You know what? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I'll have to look that up. That's funny. Um, the other, besides Vassar College, uh, the other famous Poughkeepsie reference, as far as I know. What else is Poughkeepsie famous for? Well, I mean, right now, we're, I mean, not Poughkeepsie. Drug, drug but, epidemic? Unfortunately, <laughs> really bad. Um, um, you know, Jeffrey D. Morgan lives like 15, 20 ish minutes north of us. Yep. That is out. Don't tell people where Jeffrey lives because they'll fucking go there. Oh, they, no, oh, they, no, they know. They know. Oh, trust me. Oh, they do. Because, yeah. because him and him, um, his wife Hillary and Paul Rudd own a candy shop in, in the village that's north of oh, us. Oh, that's right. They know that, that's right. That's yeah. They're the Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's like uh, Rhinebeck. Rhinebeck, which, which like, yeah, like, it's like fifteen minutes north of us. Yeah, and then um, so they can they can have a, a public thing and and they can show up there and not just be like besieged. Right, because Rhinebeck is you know very high end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
So yeah. like you, him walking down the street isn't like you know him walking down the street. Yeah, that's right. You know, yeah. in Atlanta. So many people <laughs> left LA this past couple of years to move to um, upstate New York. Mm-hmm. One of my one of my best friends. I'm really excited because now he's within range. Yeah, I'm what if, was it like six hours to Maine? Six hours? Eight it's not hours? that far. Actually, I think there was one time I was driving past the exit for where you where you live in Maine. And I, I'm pretty sure I messaged you on Twitter and I was like, hey, I just drove past the exit for for, for your area. And um, yeah, it's not that far from us. Yeah. yeah. So you're probably about six, seven hours from us. Nice day trip. Well, so you're further west in the state. You know where the hot, you know where the Hudson River is? Yeah. You're right. Here. Yep. We're right on the east side of the Hudson River. Yep. So because I'm only five hours from New York. Oh, okay, so yeah, we're about five, six hours. Well, yeah. but now that I've been stopped and given a warning, I probably won't drive that. Fast. <laughs> yeah, I promise. I promise the guy. I looked up at the kid and I said, "I promise." <laughs> so I really feel like I kind of have to. I didn't tell him the uh, the emergency that I was uh, had to get back here for. Mm, she should have. It would have helped. A little bit of a, an acting exercise for me. Sure. But I pulled it off, uh, and he gave me a warning, and I felt <laughs> like. It, the, the guy was kind enough that I, I am going to really stay under the speed limit from now on. Even when I see it straight away, there's no cars coming. Just, just you know what? What would it be like to actually drive the speed limit? Mm-hmm. It's <laughs> not an exercise <laughs> presence. Yeah, driving the speed limit stinks. It, but uh, yeah, the, I'm two hours from Boston, and the, the, oh, fine. all right. Yeah, so Boston's okay. like three and change from here. It's like three, three and change. So yeah, hey, probably about five, six hours. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I'm mean, the, the reason I brought that up. Yep. Was, Go wasn't ahead. To out your address, but was to uh, anytime I'm shooting in in that area, I'm going to get you guys on the set so you oh. can experience being on a set. Can so I be boom. your Can I be your boom guy? I'm going to be your boom you guy. Be a boom guy. I'm going to be you a boom the, guy. You know, usually it's like boom guys and bass players. They're the tall, lanky guys. Oh no, that won't be me. Usually on set, but no. you do need strong arms because you got to keep things up there. They uh-huh. need tall guys because you got to be up above frame and you right. hold it so they get these well over six foot guys a lot of times. I'm gonna learn to stand on stilts when then I'll hold the boom. You're about as tall and lanky as a bull in a china shop. You're about to be the bull hey, in the china hey, shop, right? Guys, let's not come on. <laughs> <laughs> picking on me this, it's gonna go spiraling in the wrong direction you know i still have to get him back from last week what did i do last where week? everyone took the pictures of you doing certain things behind my head oh during wow. the show Ooh. yeah i just did this and all of a sudden a yeah. big deal. <laughs> have you ever gotten him in a headlock me him? Yeah. No, I would never do that. But just, just for the photograph, the photographic image, I think it just, just throw your. Is that a request, your, Xander? Yeah, just throw your big, bulky, beefy arm. You might, your you might want to take your glasses off for that. Like, like you're putting, you're putting your arm around him, and you're hugging him. But now it's like now fake it into a headlock because you're, you pretend you're acting. I give him a nug, but he ain't, you know, he's got missing somewhere right there. A little nuggie. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can use that. Trust me, you can use that for self-promotional campaign. There you go. Thanks, Xander. I can always appreciate your support. I think, I think you should have risked keeping the glasses on, frankly. Oh, uh, I don't want to break anything. Oh, God forbid. Like my dignity. 
<laughs> um, he, he he's a big guy. So he's like a bull in a china shop. He knocks you over and stuff. He could have broken your glasses. Yeah, I don't want. Probably to. a good thing you took him off. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I do have a good improv question for you. Yeah. Um. So, your death scene as Gregory, and I'm, I'm you know I'm trying to stay away from you know TWD stuff, but. Oh no! Don't worry about it. I'm, I'm cool. Pi wanted Pi wanted to know. She heard that you improved your heart out while wearing the noose um, during that during that scene. Um, can you get can you can you get into details? I guess about the you know I guess certain improvs you went through or. Well, uh, it was the, the Walking Dead is one of those shows. Uh, very often, from all the way back. Um, in TV as much as in movies, I've I've been called upon. I feel like I've been hired for my ability to improvise as much as my ability to act and to to re, do rewrites and polishes and and offer alternative dialogue to that which is written. Because so often it's when you're in the moment on the on the set. It's one thing to conceptualize something; it's another thing to do it. And when you're doing it, sometimes you don't need to say this or that or the other thing because the action itself explains it. And a lot of times they write things so that they, it'll, like in movies anyway, mm-hmm. so the producers are going to put up the money, you're going to be able to picture it and see it. But on the day, you don't need to say it because you're doing that. You need to say something else that a person, a human being, would actually say when they're in that situation. And having grown up in experimental theater and in doing a... I was in a comedy uh, improv company with Chris Elliott when I was 19 years old. He was 17. Out in New York City, we went to clubs. Um, not many people know that. And we're still friends. And he lives up here in Maine now, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Very cool. Uh, re- reestablishing a great friendship from all the way back. And um, yeah, having the ability to come up with stuff off the top of your head is a, is a necessary skill in, in the film business because of that and in television and you know for example when we, my wife and i were doing 24 uh events were happening so fast <clears throat> in real life that that the, the the show strangely paralleled that we had to a lot of stuff had to change at the last minute <clears throat> and they would only have time to give a, a rough idea literally and you're shooting it and so having to be able to come up with stuff got to do it you get the script and so I just immediately start writing alternatives in the in the margins <laughs> they want to see did he just cough up a dog no oh no it's, that's a dog uh, yeah like... <laughs> that's uh that's, that's Rudy he, he likes to uh when people come in the house he likes to bark He's our mascot, so you know. Yeah, it's, it's the dogs too. We just got a rescue two days ago, and he's such a good little baby. Our friends came back. The, the the people that we're doing partnership with came back from Panama with a dog that they had rescued from the jungle. That had been, it had been. It was a the alpha dogs of the jungle had beaten. Had been, he'd been hit with a machete in the nose. He was bleeding and falling apart and. They saved his life for a month, and then they brought they brought him back. And they said, "We got to find a home." And wow. 
and both of my daughters the day before out of the blue we, we've lost our dog a year ago oh, yeah. and out of the blue we haven't they haven't talked about dogs we got two cats and we mm. rescued two cats from a barn and and that was our drama this summer and and uh, we've got those cats now they're feral they're crazy and mm -hmm. we love them. Um, but they both really missed having a dog and they both told me like sort of independent of one another and the next day these guys have a dog so that's meant to be our dog and we just got it over the weekend and we're all madly in love with him so yeah i know about dogs but he doesn't seem to bark too much at anything but like those we, well we, we haven't had visitors much yet so. yeah awesome. yeah his so his barking is just kind of like a it's a greeting yeah, you know is. but yeah. he's a small guy he's like 13 pounds he's a mini schnauzer and um it's just a very high-pitched piercing bark mm. so i try yeah. to like you know the one that we lost had that yeah. yeah yeah so it's just like you know i with with the audio <laughs> everybody's ears would start ringing so uh i was able to nullify the bark i didn't kill him jesus, Linda. jesus. <laughs> I, I didn't think you'd kill him i thought you were throwing up a dog that's what it's oh like. you thought of throwing him up right, right, right hold on. let me get off scene real quick and let me puke <laughs> no what i did is i i picked him up and i handed him off to my son and then my son brought him he brought him downstairs Hey, what was I talking about? It was a good story, and I can wrap it up quick. When oh. the dog? Yeah. Does anybody? Remember well, everybody. Well, let me. Somebody. Well, My attention deficit is not good. Mm. I got some things in here about. Well, everyone wants to see pictures of the do the new doggo, um, or to see the dog in general. Linda says that the behind the scene pics that you shared on your Insta. With your last scene as Gregory, were so sad. Xander's face was heartbreaking. Well, that's what it was. It was about improvising the, the, the house. Yes, yes. So on The Walking Dead, from day one, one of the weirdest things that I, I had to adjust to was the fact that they don't, they not only do they not want uh, you to come up with an, an alternative, first of all, you don't need to because this, the writers are so freaking good that but they don't want a syllable. They don't want a word off. And I, I'm used to not playing it loose and easy, but like I'm gonna I'm gonna get the idea out and it's gonna sound like the character would say it. And sometimes and, and I try to do it different in every take. Mm -hmm. So that but then it's all seamless and anything would cut together with anything else. And and it was like a, oh wow, I've got this whole speech and there's not a, 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 there's somebody that comes over and says, um, actually it's of not but go ahead. Okay, I just got that whole speech. And that's okay, cool. Um, but it was a big thing with the show to get used to. Everything is verbatim, mm. and um, so okay. So you just really and, and like Stephen uh, and I had all this dialogue stuff, and we just had such a blast. It was an opportunity. Usually, you, you kind of want to leave it fresh sometimes to keep it looking more naturalistic. But so we would get together and run the lines and just be banging the back and forth so we could say them inside out any which way, but always do it differently in every take. Mm -hmm. That's why they developed the Zandog. Yeah. Shop. I may have talked about in the last oh, yeah. interview. Oh, yeah. Um, but the uh, the improvisational thing, Greg knew that that, he kind of knew that that's kind of a thing of mine. And, and, and he said, Xander, you're finally going to get to improvise. <laughs> <laughs> In this next one, you do it any way you want. And and because, awesome. especially because they saved my shot for last and they shot 
every character that was there and just about every character was there when I got home mm. and they shot them out first and I gave it my all in every to everybody to each character who gets to see Gregory die I wanted to give them my full performance not every actor does that yeah some yeah. people save it and they this is a weird thing that a, a lot of young actors not to diss young actors but a lot of old timers will do that because it's a thing of ethics almost like you've got to give 100 percent off camera mm -hmm. but there's acting coaches that are out there that have advised a lot of newer actors now not so new but it's been this has been a new thing for a while so those young actors are now old <laughs> uh, that uh you you want to save it for when the cameras comes around on right. you and yep. if you have any pull you want to maybe arrange it so that you get to go last so that you really have your shit together and you can really let it rip mm -hmm. when it comes around on you right and i've done scenes in things a lot of things tv over the years especially where uh you, you do your coverage and you do scene and you're doing the scene with them and then they come around on them and they do shit like what you're doing that i if i knew you were doing that i would have had a completely different reaction right right because <laughs> i like to be in the moment and like i'm going to react to what you're doing and it, it, you know but but these are sometimes the very same actors where if you they they figured out ahead of time what they're going to do mm -hmm. and you could uh you could set yourself on fire in the scene and they would still find that angle right right <laughs> Um, <laughs> not, were, oh, you're burning. No, it's uh, <laughs> what I was going to do. <laughs> I was gonna, you know, that's what I'm going to do. Um, so I finally got to improvise. And uh, after, because I think he realized that I had given it my all and I could have like pretty much squeezed out every drop of the dialogue as written. Mm -hmm. um, so I needed to keep it fresh when they turned around on me and and uh, whatever's in there, I think, is whatever the hell came out of me when I was uh, on that horse, my hands tied behind my back. I think it may have been a fake. But yeah, I think it was a fake horse. I, I think I reached the point where I go, you know what? To have a noose around my head with my hands tied behind my back mm -hmm. and a real horse, I don't think I, I don't think I got paid enough. Yeah. Yeah, right. I mean, you did. You were talking earlier about how many times you had near-death experiences. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. Well, and you yeah. reach a point where you go, okay, that's way past nine. <laughs> I've lost count after fall. <laughs> you know, if maybe if they had killed me the way I, I at the time that I thought they were going to, I would have risked my life. But at this point, and they had an incredible like, um. The, the the fake horse was unbelievable of course as you would expect but also the stunt guy came up to me when because he did it with the real horse in the wide shot and he said dude i do this all the time you're really glad you didn't <laughs> and i go you're fucking kidding <laughs> yeah into a bit in my days <laughs> you know it's my own fault because i just like you're holding that and other things like i've been you know there's the whole macho thing like come on you're scared to do that mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. no i'm just too smart to do that <laughs> yeah, it's like come on i, I value my life yeah <laughs> yeah 
Isn't that what you stump people are here for? <laughs> Go ahead and do the stupid shit. <laughs> I got to give them props, though. They do it a lot of dangerous stuff. So, Absolutely. I mean, you know. Oh, hell but, yeah. Um, yeah. That's, uh. Well. I got people. Yeah, yeah I, got, I got everybody. Well, I just. Uh, okay. The people who follow you on Instagram love the pictures of the dog and everything. They're very obsessed with the dog. Very obsessed with the dog. Everyone's very obsessed with the new pooch. Oh, that dog is so magical. He's so cool. We feel so lucky to have found him, and he's he's clearly had a, a, a very positive change of fate. Good. That's very good. <laughs> the dogs definitely can can bring a family even closer. You know, it's it is. You know, even though he's a little pain in my ass, I love him. <laughs> but uh, and he's still alive. And he's still alive, guaranteed. All right, Linda. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. Um. So we're gonna we're gonna let you go and actually have some time, hopefully, with your family. Um. Uh, God, we've been on for over two hours. Um, yeah. I wanted to make up for being late. Well, I think well, I think we did work I think I think you did it. I think you made up for it. I think um, you did a great job. Yeah. As you always do. Of course. Um, Lucy, good night. Thank you, because I know it's probably 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. Same for Linda. Pi, it's probably the sun's rising. Who knows? Um, that's, that's what I mean. I love those guys so much. Uh, They're out there. It's, yeah. It's just, that, this is for them and, and for you guys, because you guys are awesome. Appreciate so, it. You know, my fans, I haven't got many, but man, they're awesome. The ones I've got. I love them. Those little Xander Friday crowd. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the Xander Fridays, the, the, everything comes alive on Fridays. Over five years, and they've never, they've never missed a Friday. Somebody always puts something up, and I've religiously been there to, to thank them and, and make fun of myself with them because it's it's cool. I, I never wanted to, I, I never craved big fame, but the idea of recognition mm -hmm. on the level that those guys do is like every every everything I've got. You got your own day of the week. <laughs> like you yeah. literally have your own day of the week that's celebrated every week. What more could you ask for? Right? Yeah. Right? It's you quality, have... not quantity. Yeah, you have a whole day. You're celebrated once a week every Friday. Handful of folks, but God bless them. And yeah. Friday's the best day of the week. <laughs> Friday the work week's ending, you get, get paid again, you get paid, you know? You know? I mean, hopefully. I don't know. Hopefully. <laughs> but yeah, Xander, thank you so much. Um, yeah, stay in touch. Don't ever be shy about staying in touch. Oh, no, I'll definitely, you know, I'll send you a random, you know, I won't be drunk and or we'll anything. We'll see you maybe in Sonoya again one of these days. I would love it. be amazing. I know, uh, I know uh, Michelle is still doing a, she's getting something back up and running down mm -hmm. there. That's what, yeah, I've seen a bunch her. of stuff. Um, um, and uh, who was it? Uh, Stephanie Regis uh, uh, Oh, Steph. Yep, there. Steph was here. She said she said hello. She she was worked a long day. She popped in and said hello. Steph Steph did pop in here. Well, love to you, all you guys, and thank you for being a fan of mine because I'm a fan of all yours too. Take care. We'll see you guys. All right, everybody. Thanks for being here, hanging out with us. We will be back. Next week, hopefully, Renee will be back with us as well, even though she's a very busy woman right now. Um, so, yeah, love you guys. Peace out. Be safe. Love you. Have a good night, guys. Xander. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. As always. Go Take enjoy the dog and the family. <laughs> well, you All right. Love you, bud. Take care. Back at you. <laughs> Bye, guys. That's awkward. Hey. There you go.
going live best podcast beauty and the beast sit back and catch a vibe oh yeah we talking zombies and apocalypses and all those things you like going beast mode and if you didn't know it's peter z up on the mic hey twd family grab the snacks about the pantry and subscribe and like um if you can please all those walkers eat you like some candy hey hey okay you at the right place at the right time. No one does it better. That's the bottom line. Beauty and the Beast. This is prime time. Let's go.